This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast Preview Show. It's Friday, I'm Stamford Chidge and uh, I'm very happy to be back, not least because we are uh, transfer window plus one. The transfer window, as they love to say, ad infinitum on TalkSport, has been slammed shut. Never closed gently, slammed shut and thank God for that we all cry. Now, as always, I've got the absolutely legendary uh, Jonathan Kidd with me on the show. Chidge, your adjectives for me get better every week. Thank you. I do try. Thank you very much. Yeah. How are you? You all right? Yeah, good, thanks. I had a, um, I had a great time. I did this short film during the week and uh, uh, they, uh, I had to, to be poisoned and I had a, a rather, I had to cough and then collapse. And they said, oh, we really like the way you've done that. Are there any other ways you could die? And I went, oh, well, funny. Well, I, could I have strangled. a whole repertoire. I have a repertoire. <laughs> of it. Yeah. So uh, so this is for the trailer because they were doing a trailer for it as well. So, uh, you know, there was about this professor. Um, was he strangled? So one of the actors came in and went, ah. They did that. Or was he stabbed? All of that. And uh, so in the end, I did about five separate ways of dying and sliding down walls and um it was great. They were great. It was a really good day's filming. So uh, I was, uh, they shoved all my scenes into the days to save money. So I only got one fee. But, uh, you know, that's what happens nowadays. They just do it completely out of sequence so that they'll just they'll save as much money as possible. Just I've got the, the cheapest equity rate possible to do 10 scenes. Bloody hell. But, um, Who have we got? Who have we got on the show tonight, old bean? Oh, let's not bother about them. Just do it with you and me. Okay. Then. See you guys. Yeah. Bye bye, bye chat, bye. <laughs> bye, bye. Um, it would be rather shit if we did that, mate. I have to say. And <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got um, the brain of Stamford Bridge, the uh, the the great knowledge that is, of course, the uh, the genius 
genius of Chelsea football. He's written a book, you know. Did you know that? I didn't of, um, know that. of course, the completely brilliant Mark Meehan. Hey. How are you, Mark? I'm very well, thank you. And if you ask me nicely, I might even write another book at some point in the near future. Well, it would be rude <laughs> not to. <laughs> it, it would be rude not to. And talking about die, um, I had this really surreal moment the other evening because sometimes when there's nothing on, you sort of like channel hop. And I think, isn't it the anniversary of Princess Diana's death? Mm. And there was a documentary on the other night. I don't know whether it was Channel 4 or Channel 5. And I was just channel hopping. And then it went on to that. And I thought, do you know, the voiceover person sounds very familiar to me. <laughs> no way. It was a certain Jonathan Kidd of this parish. No way. Yeah, yes. Oh, I thought, yeah, I recognised that voice. Yeah. Yes, I did I did it in January and they couldn't find anybody to buy it. And then suddenly Channel 5 bought it and used it as an opportunity on her on her anniversary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. Yes, it was all about the Spencers. Yeah. All about the Spencer was, family. Yeah. It's quite interesting. It's interesting stuff, actually. It's quite that's what I like about doing. I did um I did Shark Attack in the summer. You'd have thought I would I know. I like about that. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we talked yeah. about that, didn't we? We, um, did, we, did. we have a we have our resident uh, journalist with us tonight as well, which is rather good considering we're going to talk about the transfer window in a minute. But uh, who is it, J.K.? Well, let's hope he knows a lot. I think he does actually, he does. because he writes for a rather decent uh, periodical uh, called The Athletic, which I read again today. Um, uh, very, a very good article. I can't remember what it was about, but it was a very good article today. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was so good, uh, and uh, and I'm a bit perturbed because we've got him on two weeks running. I so know. I think, uh, you know, thanks very much, Liam. That's really lovely of you. Thanks. This, is, of course, the the excellent, uh, excellent Liam Toomey. Oh, there you go. Good to be back. You could you could write a book on this transfer window, and I think actually in the last twenty four hours we tried. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it must be it must be uh, very stressful for you transfer window week, Liam. Have you have you coped all right? Well, usually it's it's especially busy, but this particular window has been the most frantic that I've ever known. Um, just because there there has always seemed to be something happening. Mm. You know, Chelsea have Chelsea have either actively targeted or been linked with so many players, and at the same time, they they went into this window with so many professional footballers on the books. Yeah that you're dealing with so many sales and potential loans and everything as well. So it's just, it's been endless. And I think, you know, we've spoken before. I've said, I've said to you guys before, I, I don't particularly relish transfer reporting. I've, I much, much prefer talking about what's happening on the pitch, why it happens, how it happens, or, you know, the sort of bigger picture strategy of the club rather than kind of mechanics of individual deals. I know, I know people are, and everyone on the Twitterverse is obsessed with it, but um, why I do not found it a bit tedious. I know I, I'm with you on that, Liam. I've never understood that. Uh, right, okay. Just to give you a heads up on what's coming up, uh, we're gonna. We, I'm sorry. Yes, we're gonna do it, and we are gonna talk about the Southampton debacle because <laughs> that's what it was. Uh, we're then gonna have a chat about the transfer window, uh, and uh, you know, take advantage of the fact we got Liam with us tonight and uh, then a quick catch up on the press conference today uh, which will lead us in very nicely to talking about Chelsea playing West Ham and we'll have a little break and then we will do exactly that we'll preview the Chelsea West Ham game so there you go um, I don't know if were you were you there on Tuesday Liam or did you get the night off did you luck out and get the night off no Simon's done the last two games so I'm doing West Ham right tomorrow well then you were you were saved you were saved from the purgatory that was the well, I did, I did Leeds a week ago, so oh, okay. I haven't been entirely insulated from it. 
Well, I, I was, I'm doubly upset because, you know, if I only ever do one away game in the season, it is Southampton versus Chelsea for the obvious reason that for me it's a 15-minute trip on the train down there. So I look forward to it immensely and I celebrated this fact by getting absolutely steamed in the pub beforehand on far too much Guinness, seeing lots of lovely people, uh, which I always enjoy. Um, and, and then, of course, you know, we had the game. I mean... It was another poor performance against a weaker side, and it keeps happening. I mean, J.K., I mean, your your frat fan bite was superb, of course, as always. But I, I think if we were to sum the game up, really, it was defensive frailties exposed by a fragile midfield again. And I'll talk to Liam a bit about Tuchel calling them soft, but I, 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 I have him right about that. They, they just got bullied all over the place again. He, he, he can't seem to cope if from um, they weren't helped by recent. Reese James being ill at the very beginning of yeah, it because he then has cheek to, was injured and, and too. cheek and he then has to reassemble. But it's slightly, it, it's a little, it's it's dismaying to appreciate that the the substitutes who come in for them aren't aren't good enough. And Dave was dreadful. I mean, you know, we've established already he shouldn't really be playing ninety minutes. He needs to come on later on. Then he'll put a lot of energy into it. But the the sight of him constantly pursuing somebody just walking past him was just absurd i kept thinking god dave's not kept up with the game at all now and his the and I, then a, that terrible moment for the first goal where he decided just to pass the ball out rather than 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 well i thought it was he was right on top of mandy but um you've got too many players just looking fragile and also uh, the other aspect of it which i think to sorry to to refer it straight into the uh the presser but i got the impression from from listening to uh TT today that there were many players who thought they would go um, and didn't. So, well, several at least, uh, several of whom I think he picked, and several of whom gave performances of abject, uh, uh, just not bothering to try. And I think I'm afraid Zayat was one of them, and I think Pulisic was the other. So there was, I think, still the possibility. You know, Liam would correct me on this that they might be off because um, Zayat didn't. I don't know how on earth you play for 90 minutes and not engage at all. I think he had one shot. Otherwise, he was completely invisible. So he's he just I just felt he he, he was obviously thinking, well, I'm away, aren't I? And I'm it never sorry. transpired that's for whatever fake, reason. That's fake, unsubstantiated bollocks, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Not that he was going to be away, that he might yeah. be away. Yeah. But it, it, <laughs> indeed it is. But I'm trying to, I'm, I'm surmising because actually, no, but it's not really because TT did actually say, he said that now there was a focus back in the side and there were lots of players who were worried about their future. He said that in the press conference. He did today. indeed. He did indeed. Um, let's, oh, ask, yeah. let's ask Liam because we're talking in, in kind of presser, Tuchel kind of territory. Um, Liam, I was at the game, obviously, on, on Tuesday and, and, People were really pissed off, actually. There's, there's no two ways about it. And, and uh, you know, a lot of the opprobrium was being directed at Jorginho tra- uh, traditionally. Um, and, you know, because he does, doesn't do well in games where he gets pressed, just like it like happened at Leeds. But also on Tuchel for really, uh, you know, for the system he played and for picking players out of position again. And yeah, you know, as JK was saying, picking Bulisic and Ziyech, who were very ineffectual. So, do you, do you think do you think the criticism is warranted? And also, do you think he has a point about the? I mean, there's a point I want to make actually when we when we talk about the press. I might as well bring it in now because it's kind of you know all part of that. You know, number one, you've got players who are not sure whether they're going to be staying or going or agitating to leave. Blah blah blah. blah. So, is that a factor? And if so, well, why pick them really? Well, there's a lot there. Sorry, um, 
No, that's all right. When, when you're talking about mentality, I mean, that's something that every Chelsea coach since Conte um, has spoken about. I mean, certainly as long as I've been covering the club week to week, that's been a persistent theme, which is kind of strange because the squad has changed massively over that time. It's not really even the same core of players. Um, There's a Mourinho, but, Mourinho statement as well in in the in the Arribulus. Yeah. He just said the mentality is shot as well. Yeah, yeah. It just seems to be this weird thing that lingers at Chelsea, um, a sort of intangible part of the culture. Um, but it was the second consecutive away game in which Chelsea were just battered and bullied, essentially physically out hustled by a more intense team. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the frustration came from for fans. And I think it's where a lot of the frustration comes from for Tuchel as well, because he considers that the baseline um, for performance, the intensity of his team. And to be fair, I think in most of Tuchel's time, compared to other Chelsea coaches I've covered, his Chelsea teams usually start okay. I don't remember many games where they, they they start completely asleep. They usually start at the right intensity, but then it drops off. Or at least recently, it's been dropping off. And at some point, something goes wrong for them in the game that's either in their control or outside their control, and they don't react well. And that's where, I guess, the mentality aspect comes into it. And that's actually why the Leicester game actually felt potentially significant because it was the first time I could remember in a long time that something had gone wrong for Chelsea on the pitch and they still won. Yeah. yeah. Um but it, it it does seem to be an issue and and you know you come back to Tuchel talking about players um sort of thinking about their futures. Yeah, we know Pulisic and Ziyech, it's no secret at this point, both have wanted to leave all summer. Um and they've not been able to leave because markets have not developed for them. Chelsea have not received attractive offers or offers that even make sense, particularly when you consider that they would have to spend significantly on replacing them. Um, and so that's why Ziyech is, is still around. Um, that's why Pulisic is, is still around, even though they would much rather be elsewhere and, and certainly not playing for Tuchel because neither of them have enjoyed that experience at Chelsea. Um, I think those are the two main ones. But, I mean, it's always a, a, a difficult time of year, I think. I think I, I'm forever thinking it's completely ridiculous that we have the transfer window open when football matches are going on. I don't know why the Premier League went back on um, just moving it to the Thursday before the first game of the season, even if the other European leagues don't do it, because... The Premier League is the apex predator league. There's no one getting poached from the Premier League anymore. It pays the highest money. doesn't matter if you close earlier. But anyway, I digress. The sky viewing figures, possibly, that they've got a deal with them going on because they seem to be the main... Perpetrator. For the transfer window? Yeah. Whether the programme is unbelievably successful and advertisers pay huge amounts of money. You wonder whether that's... Uh, I mean, it would be Maybe. the same if it was earlier, but you just wonder if it's protracted over yeah. the whether the figures are enormous. So Sky are actually, you know, it's woven into their contract in some way. Well, I suppose the one way it can, the one way it can help Sky or help the drama of it all is you get teams that start badly, that don't expect to start badly. And then you get panic moves in the final weeks of the window. Um, and you could argue we saw that from Manchester United 
You know, we see it from a couple of clubs every single year. Nottingham Forest. <laughs> well, they, by that metric, they've been panicking all yeah, summer. The, yes. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on there. Mark, you, you wanted to come in? Yeah, I, I didn't hear the press conference. I was just going to ask of, of Liam today. I don't know if Tuchel made any reference to sort of like post-window and then bringing it back to Southampton. Because obviously he did talk about the mentality um, post-presser the, the other night. Did he make any reference today now that the dreaded, boring, whatever you want to call it, sky-height transfer window has come to an end? He's in a, a happier, better place, shall we say? Well, that Yeah. I mean, I think well, I was, he, this is what I was going to ask you, actually, Emma. And, you know, yeah, he kind of made the point. Well, let me let me make the point I was going to make a minute ago. First of all, there was a quote in there in the presser that really fascinated me, actually. As Tuchel often does, he's a, he's a very bright lad, is our Tuchel, I think. Anyway, he said, we're a club in transition and we're paying the price for the last half year half year of insecurity which I totally actually agree with I think I don't think any of us will ever know how disruptive that was uh, and the other thing he said was that okay now the window's closed it's it's almost like time to start the season again it's time for a reset basically which I also think has some merit and I think that's what Mark's Mark's digging at there so you know do you want to talk about that a little bit if there's any uh, validity to those arguments well I think Tuchel seemed a lot happier today I mean he'll never be happy with you know the last performance being Southampton still fresh in his mind because he wants to see a response but he did seem happier with Chelsea having got that business done on deadline day having got a midfielder having got a Bamiang over the line a, a striker that he completely trusts to, he loves, to take he loves him yeah. mm. well he completely the love that came out for him in that press conference was mm. never stopped every question he was asked Huge number of fantastic adjectives about him. Just, you know, honest, great heart, committed, um, performed whenever he was required, passion. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was remarkable. So, let's And it's actually that. been that way for a year because he's been asked about Aubameyang a couple of times. He was first asked about Aubameyang when he was leaving Arsenal. And he kind of mounted a character defence of him, uh, even when he didn't have to. He wasn't his player. But I think there's a, a famous quote that resurfaced when... You know, it was clear Chelsea were going for him where Tuchel was saying some players stay your players even when they don't play right, for you anymore. Right. Um, so they've they've got a close footballing bond. And most importantly, he is someone that Tuchel completely trusts if a chance falls to him in a scoring position, he completely trusts him to take it. Um, it's interesting. He also said speed and work rate. And it made you realise what on earth did they buy Lukaku for then? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of underlined the the fit, didn't it? But I think, yeah, he it does. It was a quite a good insight into what Tuchel values from his forwards as well, yeah. and it's a and it's a reason why I know a lot of people haven't been impressed with Havertz's recent performances. He certainly hasn't been good in terms of his final production, but he still gives what Tuchel describes as the huge volume in his game: the running, the pressing, um, the setting the tone for the rest of the team pushing everyone up and forcing mistakes. You know, he's he's always been excellent at that. And I think I, I always raise an eyebrow when people say he doesn't work hard enough. But that's the kind of thing that um, Tuchel wants from Aubameyang as well. The question is, can he do that consistently at the age of 33? Because this is not the same Aubameyang that Tuchel coached before. Um, he had a good scoring record at Barcelona last year, still very respectable in La Liga. I think it was something like 11 in 17 appearances. 
um, which I think most Chelsea forwards would kill for. Um, <laughs> so it, it, if he can do that, that's great. But it, you know, it's it, it's a it's not going to be like it was at Dortmund in the mid 2010s with with Tuchel and Aubameyang. They're going to have to find a slightly different way to succeed because Aubameyang's a slightly different player now at a different yeah. stage of his career. Well, there are no guarantees. There, there never are. But uh, Liam, look, looking at the transfer window and the business that we've done, um, I mean, I'm not going to run through every signing that we've done and all the rest of it, but it now appears that we have a striker uh, and also that defence has been sorted out. I mean, they've, they've, you know, Fafana and Koulibaly have replaced what was going out to a degree. Um but what I would say is, well, what about the midfield? And also, what about the right side, actually? The left side's been sorted out, but the right side I'm not so convinced by. So, you know, I mean, Billy Gilmore going as well. I mean, that comes into that. We've got this guy, Zakaria, who, I mean, I don't want to judge a player before he's played for us, but his track record's not massively impressive, it has to be said. So I'm, I'm a bit confused by that buy and why they haven't strengthened the midfield, which for most people is the biggest problem at the club, actually because it basically doesn't protect the defence and it doesn't set up the attack. Well, I think they they ended up spending about a quarter of a billion in one window. This is, has already been a, a historic outlay um, and they only brought in about 50 million through player sales um, and, and the loan fee for Lukaku. So I think, you know, if you were to ask Chelsea's ownership, they'd say, we couldn't address absolutely everything. They came in, the number one priority had to be restocking the defence because they'd lost two Champions League winning centre-backs on free transfers. And as we wrote in our piece in our big transfer window read today, you spoke to a lot of people in you know, the transfer circles who, who deal with Chelsea or familiar with Chelsea. A lot of them had heard, directly or indirectly, Chelsea's new owners complaining about the old regime not retaining Christensen and, and Rudiger and, and what, a, what a big hole that put them in at the start of the window. So they were already playing catch-up because they had to do essential surgery on the squad just to restore it to the level it was last season yeah. um, before you're even thinking about the midfield. And at the same time, and you know whether you blame Tuchel for this is depends on your perspective and, and what you think of him as a coach. But Chelsea also went into the summer with five of the seven attackers in the first team squad deeply unhappy with their situations. Mountain Havertz were the only ones who, who, who were sort of nailed on to be in the squad the next season. All of, all of the others were, were not happy with their situations, not particularly happy playing for Tuchel, didn't feel like they were being maximised and most of them have gone with the exception of Ziyech and and, and Pulisic, who will, who will just ha- now have to make the best of it for, until at least January. So they had these big problems in defence and in attack. Um, and w- with midfield, uh, yes, it does. there does need to be a succession plan. That's why they looked at Frankie de Jong. Um, and it's ultimately why they, they pushed to get one more midfielder at the end of the window, um, just, just for the numbers. But there, there are at least top players under contract for another year in that position. So I think central midfield took a little bit of a, a back seat because of that, um, just because there were more urgent priorities. I do agree on the on 
in terms of the right wing back position because I think you you leave this window still looking at Reese James maybe not being physically capable of playing 60, 70 games in a season um, in that Dave position. Dave substitute, is he? Dave's not. And yeah, you're not looking at Azpilicueta as a wing back at this stage of his career, I don't think. I think Tupel has, has dispensed with that one. Um, so you're looking at square pegs and round holes, Ruben off the sheet playing there or playing Pulisic there, you know, or, or maybe switching to a back four. Um, I think Fofana will help because if they switch to a back four, he can maybe even play right back. Um, but I do think he's primarily been signed to play on the right at that back three. But yeah, they, they haven't addressed everything. They've addressed a lot of things and they've signed nine players. Of course, a couple of those were young players who aren't going to contribute much um, this season. But I think they're as much as they were willing to spend, there were limits both in terms of finances and in terms of time, just time. And availabilities, I think. They didn't want to buy yeah. a, 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 an average player, did they, just to fit in? He wants to try and buy stars. I always think this is the first phase of the rebuying, actually. I'm not sure it'll happen in January, but I think it'll that next year there'll be even there'll be just as big changes, actually. Well, Jonathan, there'll have to be, because you can almost put money on Jorginho and Kante not signing, you know, not, not getting into negotiations. They'll do a yeah. Christensen and a Rudiger. You you watch. You watch this space. Because they've got their, their contracts run out next June, don't they, Liam? They do, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. So, that, you know, so you're going to have to replace those two, arguably, before you even start. I mean, look, I tell you what, Liam, I mean, I'm, I'm not down on the transfer window. I know a lot of people are, but, I mean, they tend to be about 12 in my estimation. I I I really I see your point. I'm frustrated about the midfield because I see it as the biggest problem actually. But you know, I think we've bought some decent players, a decent spread. I'll tell you what I'm most pleased about, and I think actually this supports your your point about what a mess we've been in, really, arguably for the last five, six, seven years. What we've done is we've got rid of a lot of the dead weight. I mean, you know, uh, Ross Barkley, hey. El- Emerson Palmieri. Kennedy, you could argue Werner was never going to work. Danny fucking Drinkwater's gone. Hallelujah. Um, So, you know, we've got rid of a lot of that dead weight that's been really winding a lot of us up. I've written so many articles about this. Having said that, Liam, we've still got this issue with some real dead weights on loan. Malang Sar, Baba Rahman's still bloody at the club, basically. Uh, who else have we got that I that I couldn't believe? Timmy Timmy Bakayoko still at AC Milan. So they've still He's got to Fenerbahce though, isn't he? Isn't no, no, he you're thinking of Batshuayi. Batshuayi. Sorry, sorry. So you know, there's yeah. still work to do to get rid of some of these appalling buys we've been making over the last five to ten years, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I think they've made good progress on that in this window, mainly because the new ownership. I think have been far more prepared to acknowledge negative assets. Yeah. You know, and, and I think Marina Granovskaya had a had her strengths as a as a football decision maker and, and club director, but one of one of her weaknesses, I think, was that she she tended to look at all of these guys as assets. And and so you've got these top up contracts and endless loans and just sort of kicking the can down the road and maybe maybe they'll have a great loan and we'll be able to sell them next summer and there'll be a big bid and it, it, it was never going to happen because every single loan, even if it goes okay, reinforces this image of like a nomadic figure that 
clubs don't want to sign. Yeah. Um, and, and clubs don't feel they have to sign because if they wait until late in the window, they'll just get them on loan. So it, it, they, Chelsea got themselves into a kind of weird rut with these guys. And I think the new ownership realised that they were a drain on the wage bill. Um, and also you have new loan limits coming in from FIFA. Uh, they're being phased in, but you're not going to be able to have, you know, the days of Chelsea having 40, 50 low knees in a season, that's over. That can't, No club can do that anymore. Um, especially when it comes to low knees over the age of 22, there are the, the, the most stringent limits are on those. So um, they had to offload some of these guys. They will have to offload more of the next season, but the most feasible ones were, were Barkley. I think being able to, you know, be, be mature enough to just terminate his contract and say, look, you give up a bit of money um, that you're owed and, and you can just go somewhere else and play. I think, that was the right thing to do um, because having him taking taking up a body on pre-season just didn't make any sense when he wasn't in the plans. Mm. Bashwai could have gone to Nottingham Forest. That move fell through last night, but they moved very quickly to get him to Fenerbahce. That's basically a free transfer. Same with Kennedy to Real Valladolid. Um, so, it, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's positive. It clears up space Um but for, for pre-season, but also on the wage bills. Um, and I, I think you don't have any... The, the less of this Deadwood you can have blocking potential academy graduates getting opportunities to to actually impress with the first team and or go on loan and take up one of those loan spots, um, the more beneficial yeah. it'll be for the club in the long term. It, it, I, I'm pleased that they've done that. Mark, I know you've been itching to come in. No, there's just a couple of things I was going to say. Um, I think first and foremost, there seems to be sort of balance of players coming in, like replicate players going out. So I would agree the points that Liam was making there. You could say Sterling, Werner, Koulibaly, Rudiger, Kukurea, Alonso, Fafana, Christensen, Abamingang, the Bag of Cement, Sicaria, Ross Barkley, maybe. <laughs> so they're in they're in that's covered and, and I've got a lot of sympathy for Dennis Sicario because to be fair I think Dennis Sicario were playing in the Europa Conference League for most of last season if I remember rightly so no wonder the guy's probably tired and injured all the time but the, the thing the thing I was going to sort of say uh, if anyone knows the answer because I can't see it here with 21 outgoings and then 20 players on loan um, the other Sterling Dijon Sterling did he go out on loan anywhere was he still yeah. with us yeah, he went to Stoke City on deadline day. So he's gone to Stoke as well. So that's a, that's another one. That's, that's 21 out on loan. Does that say, I suppose potentially he, he could have provided sort of squad cover and defence. Um, so it does leave the right-hand side extremely weak. Unless, is there anyone on the sort of youth team side, Academy coming through, Liam? Yeah, we could keep an eye on like where we had Liveramento and Lampy a couple of years ago. Well, I think Dion Rankin and development squad is very, very lively. Another... Um, a, another very dynamic, right-sided, attacking presence. Um, very fast, very good running with the ball. Yeah, I saw, I'm not. I saw I'm it. not sure. I'm not sure he's going to be one for Tuchel's squad this year. He might get to train with the first team a few times, but I, I don't get no, the sense. That yeah, he's I, I saw. I saw him the other night. I went to the Sutton United game, and, and Rankin was playing. I thought he played well. Actually, I thought our best player at Sutton United before he was sent off was Cassett, David Cassidy. I thought he had a good game as well. Yeah. So there probably are some good academy players there. So 
whether they'll get their chance with so many players going out, yeah, does it free up a bit of space? The other player who did impress the other night is obviously one of our new signs, Amari Hutchinson. I thought he looked a tidy player up front. There was something about him as well. Mm, good. Sorry, Vela's gone as well, hasn't he? Vela's he has. gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, getting into the whole youth and academy thing, it's it's an. I mean, I, I wrote. You know what I did on Friday, J.K. Not Friday, Monday, and I wrote out who who was in our squad, and we were like predicting this, weren't we? You know, who's who can cover who, who's going to bugger off. You know, it'd be interesting to revisit that again on Monday. But I'm going to do it a little bit here because the squad as I see it now is Mendy, Kepper, Bettinelli, centre back, Silva, Chaloba, Kulabali, Fafana. Fullbacks in inverted commas, Aspie, Chilwell, wingbacks in inverted commas, Cucurella and James. Defensive midfield, Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic, Cheek, Zakaria. Uh, attacking midfield, Mount Gallagher, Chukwameka. Wingers, Pulisic, Sterling, Ziyech. Forwards, Havertz, Aubameyang. I'll get his name right one day, Broja. Now, what's interesting for me about that is that out of that, Chaloba, James, Cheek, Mount Gallagher and Brozier are all homegrown players. That's six of them in the first team squad. That's gone under the radar a bit, I think, Liam. Yeah, it has. And I think a big part of that, um, obviously part of it is the legacy of the Lampard era, but part of it is the new ownership being just reluctant to let these guys go. Um, There was a lot of pressure at the start of the summer a lot, you know, some of it coming from these guys' representatives. Um, and I'm not saying they were they were causing trouble. I'm saying they were trying to do right by their clients or what they felt was right by these by the players they were advising, saying, you've got a lot of Premier League interest. Some some good Premier League clubs want to buy you. There's a possibility for like the sort of Mark Gurhey, Nathan Ake route here where you leave Chelsea permanently and within a year or two, you're, you're on a really good career trajectory. Um, but Bowley and, and Clear Lake just said no. Um, they're not in the business of selling the best academy products at, at Chelsea. The only one who's left permanently on permanently in this window is Billy Gilmore, who clearly um, can't be one of the best in the view well, of, the, of the owners and the club in the view of Tuchel. In the, the view of Tuchel, and I think yeah. that in the end that made the difference because. Tuchel couldn't have made it more emphatically clear that Gilmore just wasn't in his plans and was never going to be. He had his squad number taken off him. He was cut from the pre-season squad when Barkley, Kennedy and Batshuayi were kept around. He'd been training with the loan group. Um, it was just very, very obvious. Like Tuchel was almost going out of his way to say, look, I, I don't have any use for this guy. So in the end, I think Gilmore, you know, the, the, the owner's recognised that, that Gilmore wanted to go elsewhere. Brighton were the most serious club interested in him and they couldn't take him on loan because they've got Levi Colwell already. But don't you think the the, the, the smallness of the transfer fee also reflected his status? Because uh, um, I, I got the impression, there's been an enormous groundswell of, of emotion for Billy Gilmore on Twitter about how it's a terrible error, but it's all been based on his... Everton performance from two years ago. And I find that very difficult to, to, to use as a yardstick. You know, we haven't seen him play well since. So, you know, I, I, I can understand why they got rid of him. I just, I mean, I, if Tuchel, Tuchel gave him opportunities, he's not the kind of man to be again anybody, as far as I can work out. If he didn't come up to scratch anywhere with, with the opportunities given, well, then, yeah, he's got to go, isn't he? So, 
Well, I, I think the irony of it all is that, you know, you rewind a year or so and Tuchel heavily advocated for Gilmore to go to Norwich because Tuchel and Daniel Farker um, are, yeah. Yeah. Are, very, are very close. They see yeah. the game in similar ways. Um, and the thinking was Gilmore can go there and play in, play in a similar system um, with like a double six and, and get and be more prepared to come back to Chelsea a year, uh, the next year. But the way the Norwich line panned out, Farker stopped playing him for a while before he got sacked. And it feels like um, that has, has kind of tainted Gilmore in Tuchel's eyes. I don't know this. This is my impression from the outside. But it, that's what it feels like, that the fact that Farker lost faith in him almost led Tuchel to lose faith in him. Um, and he never managed to get that status back at Chelsea when he returned. He must surely have given him opportunities within training to achieve that. I'm, I'm, I'm just bemused that somehow he, he couldn't then step up within training to impress Tuchel or if, whether Tuchel I, made a decision. Earlier. I don't think it really happened this pre-season. I mean, no. there were a few days before they went to the US, but it was pretty, it was pretty soon after they went to the US um, or at least after that, once the game started, that Gilmore was one of those cut from the squad and sent, sent to, because I, I believe the development squad were in the US as well at the time, sent to join them. And that was basically it. Um, so from then on, it was just a case of trying to find the right home for him. And, and Brighton made the biggest play. Well, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm personally very disappointed that, that Tuchel didn't see a player in Billy because I think there is a player there. But of course, we'll, we'll find out soon enough when he goes to Brighton. Mark, again, you've been uh, waiting very patiently. Uh, I was going to say something similar, Chidge. Um, I, I was sorry to see Billy Gilmore go, and I think seven point five million in the the current football climate is almost like a giveaway. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't think Tuchel is the one to sort of tell tales out of school. But um, what what my worry is is there something about Billy Gilmore that we don't know about that Tuchel does and clearly can't say um, because. He never gave him the chance. If you actually look at the statistics, um, he only played him eight times in the 2021 season. So he clearly either, as JK says, saw something on the training ground he never liked because he never played him. Um, he either put too much stock on what his mate Farker said and he's blaming him for costing his mate a job. Or maybe, you know, Billy would be the first professional footballer that, you know, might have outside interests. That's probably the better way to put it. And with the high disciplinarian that Tuchel is, he might have sort of said, well, actually, he doesn't train hard enough on, not on the playing side, but perhaps on the physical side. You know, like a pint. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, th I think, Mark, everything I've heard about Gilmore is that he's, that, in that aspect, he, he's a top professional. He works really hard. I think the, the thing here um, is that you, you can kind of, you can sense what Tuchel thinks of, Gilmore, based on pretty much the first thing he ever said about him, um, when he was first asked, asked about him in a press conference, he he gave a long answer about Gilmore saying, you know, he's very good technically. Um, and then he came to the end and said, this isn't verbatim, but I remember this pretty well. We'll see if he has the physical profile to play in this system. And you look at Gilmore, you know, I he can't change his frame. He's always going to be a small yeah. guy. Yeah. There's only so much muscle mass he can put on. I think he will fill out a little bit as he gets older, but you know he is what he is in that sense. Um, and I think if you look at the players that, you know, if you look at Dennis, if you put him next to Dennis Sicaria, for example, he's six foot three. 
um, in, incredibly muscular, you know, a, a real sort of a, a real sort of athlete as well as a, t- a technical player in central midfield. That's what Tuchel wants in this system. He wants guys who are capable of covering a lot of ground, running against the ball, as he calls it. And, and yet he um, picks Jorginho. as well as doing everything on the ball. And yet he picks Jorginho every week, who I could probably beat in a fight. And well, probably, probably, probably even a race. And Billy Gilmore I mean, the... would probably beat Jorginho in a fight as well. No, I, I do feel sorry for Billy Gilmore. I don't think he's really had the chance at Tuchel, and I think that would make a lot, a lot of sense, Liam. You know, basically, he doesn't fit into the system and the type yeah. of football that Tuchel wants to play. Well, uh, and that, you... that, that, so never mind what he does on the training ground. Yeah. You know, you, you could, know, you he could be the best professional, best passer of the ball, but he just doesn't fit the system. No, you could say the same about Tammy Abraham. I think. I mean, I didn't yeah. agree with yeah. that one, but clearly, Tuchel yeah. just didn't fancy him. For his system, look. Let's just have a quick before we let Liam go. Just quickly on the on the game tomorrow. Kante's out. Uh, it'll be too soon for Oba and Zakaria, um, so that'll be interesting. Um, Got to get a mask, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's not ready for a week. He reckons Zakaria might be ready for Fulham. I think. Oh, oh that's what he said. Do you think Fafana might start, Liam? I'm not sure. Um, I think he's only he's only been training at Chelsea for a few days. So it would be a big statement of faith from Tuchel, given the way we know Tuchel works. That you know, it's it's all about the system. It's all about familiarity, knowing exactly what you, you've got you've got to do and where you've got to be in every situation. That would suggest he's going to ease these guys in a little bit more. And and Fafana's you know early season was disrupted a bit, of course, because he was in dispute at Leicester as well. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Kukurea came in, didn't he, a little bit faster than we anticipated. Yeah. And, he had a good preseason. A lot. He had a good preseason. Yeah, he did. He did. So we'll mm. see where Fafana's at physically. I think that's going to be determining factor. Zakaria, um, suggestion from the press conference today is Chelsea are waiting on a work permit. And we saw from the Alexander Isak situation at Newcastle mm. that that isn't necessarily too predictable. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they were waiting on that uh, until a couple of hours before mm. they played Liverpool. Um, so it, Chelsea, I, I don't think we'll hear about Zakaria until it, until that work permit comes through and then he's in. And just to add, um, in the while we've been recording, Amanda Broya yeah. has signed a new six-year contract. Yeah, so he'll be out on loan soon then. I don't. Well, I don't think so. You know, I don't think so. Um, I, I think it, this fits the broader strategy of the new owners, at least that they they, they want to commit these guys to long contracts and they want to give them opportunities to to grow in the team. Could he still go on loan to a European team? Only like certain markets um, that are still open, like Turkey or Greece. Mm. Or, so or it's un- it's unlikely, I, therefore, I, that he will. I, I doubt it. Because I think he, he deserves the, the right to, to fight for his place this season. Um, finally, Liam, you know, I, 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 you know, Tuchel's actually, to be fair to him, he's usually pretty effusive about whoever we play. But I, I partic- this particularly caught my eye in the press today that you know, West Ham are good on the counter and physical. That's basically summarising what he said. My comments in the running order, oh dear. Because we seem to have a problem against teams who are strong on the counter and who are physical. And we've got another one coming up tomorrow. And that's quite a lot of teams in Premier League yeah. that are good at those things. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a, a difficult game. I mean, West Ham have had a really miserable start to the season. It, it, look, it looks from the outside like they're having a bit of a hangover from last year um, and like the, the way that Europa League run ended, the sheer amount of games they played last season, the way it sort of petered out. 
feels like emotionally they're still trying to to process all of that but they've signed some really talented players and if recent history tells us anything it's that the sight of Chelsea tends to wake them up um so Chelsea uh, have to assume they're going to get West Ham's best shot tomorrow or close to it uh, regardless of who plays whether it's Lucas Paqueta or Skamaka or any of the other new guys they've signed so they've got to be on it um, they've got to be a hell of a lot better than they were against Southampton they've got to try to sustain the right intensity for 90 minutes I don't think they've done that at all this season yet the, the closest they got was Tottenham when they did it for about 60 or 70 um, they need to find a way to put a, a complete performance together and um, until they do they're going to continue to have um, tough tough matches because I think all, all these Premier League teams are capable of, of taking points off you yeah definitely and they need to have a bit more fight about them and a better mentality I agree with Tommy T there Liam you've always had a brilliant mentality when you've been on the show with us and it's been fantastic hearing you know, your perspective on the transfer window particularly. Really enjoyed that. Um, hopefully we will see you again very soon. But uh, well done. Thanks uh, so much for coming on as always. And uh, yeah, have a good weekend. Are you going to the match tomorrow? I am, yeah. Yeah, you are, aren't you? You did say earlier. Well, enjoy the match. I can't go because the buggers moved it. Can you believe that? <laughs> Something in my diary for the last year for tomorrow and I can't go. I'm not happy about that. Sky need a shoeing, if you ask me. But there you go. Liam, have a great weekend, mate. Lovely to see you. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure, guys. Speak soon. Take care. There you go. Brilliant. Liam Toomey from The Athletic there. What a pleasure it is to have Liam on the show. Always enjoy having Liam's company. Now, uh, we're going to have a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the Chelsea versus West Ham United game. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Ginge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. 
I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. This is the Chelsea Fancast preview show. Oh yes, it really, really is. And uh, I've got to prove it. I've got with me Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Go on, you irons. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you old soap. <laughs> How are you, mate? You well? Oh, great, thanks. It was, uh, Liam was great, wasn't he? It's... Uh... Yeah, you know, always good to have him on, but I thought particularly tonight with the whole transfer business yeah. shenanigans, yeah. It, 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 I knew he'd uh, you know know about that, so that was good. Brilliantly informed. Yes, yes. Uh, we've also got the absolutely wonderful man of words and letters and all sorts of other things, uh, Mr. Mark Meehan. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, good people in Mixler. Looking forward to three points and then it's the happy hammers tomorrow. I love your optimism, Mark. That's why we have you on the show. Right. <laughs> Um, okay, start where we always start. I, I, to be honest, guys, I'll, I, I will be honest with you. I haven't got a Scooby about the team for tomorrow. I really haven't. But what I've gone with is Maundy in goal, Koulibaly, Silver, and I've I've gone for Fafana, which may be a bit optimistic of me. So if if not Fafana, I I would rather see Chaloba there. I just don't think Dave can cut it there. But anyway, so I've gone for Kulibali, Silva, Fana, Jorginho, Kovacic, Kukurela, James, and guess what? Sterling, Mountain, Havertz, with some reservations. But that's what I've gone with, JK. I think it's likely, isn't it? I yeah. have to say, I don't think... I think Mandy's looking a little bit um, nervous. Which can't help the defence. Yes. Well, I think it's because he's worried about what's happening in front of him, actually. He just he, he doesn't his decision making isn't quite as good as it so was. They're, they're spooking him, yeah, and he's yeah. spooking them. He's spooking them, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yes, he'll play Koulibaly, who has not come up to the standard he created as in the Spurs game. He he definitely be on the on the left hand side. Um, he won't play for Fana because he's not ready yet. So it'll be I think it'll be Chalaba, who, despite being excellent, always has one error in him. Um, and it will be Kovacic and Jorginho just, well, Willie, I thought he might play uh, Gallagher, but I'm not sure he knows where he's, uh, what his best position is here in this setup. Well, uh, that's another very... question. Will he, will he go 3-4-3? Three, three? Will he not go 4-4-2-2-2? Well, I, I, I have two, to say, two, I, really two. Hope he, I really hope he plays um, um, the two wing backs because we appear to be, incapable of playing four at the back. It just puts too much pressure on Jorginho. I think you can play four at the back without, if Jorginho doesn't play. But Jorginho is so vulnerable in that situation because he's he's just not quick enough. Well, JK, um, JK. I had a, I literally had a bird's eye view of the, uh, the, the second Southampton goal because uh, I'm standing, you know, two yeah. thirds of the way back. You know, oh, you know Southampton yeah. very well. But I'm yeah. behind the goal, two thirds of the way back up. And you could just see him, just they breezed past him. They left him for dead. And it... left, left in their wake, wasn't he? Yeah. It was just left, he was useless. Yeah, yeah. And then was... at the same time, the same time, so was Dave. It was a, yeah. it was a sort of double whammy of the slowest players on the, uh, yeah, on the pitch in the middle as well. So a number of times that happened. Um, but um, James will be back. It, it's slightly, as I say, it worries me that we've gone into a situation where if for whatever reason, Reese James had a cold or something or was ill, he doesn't play, and then suddenly there's this huge vulnerability. 
because Cheek playing in that position is just, you know, I just get the impression that we've been patched up for the first part of the season. And as he actually said, he said in the press conference today, the players were not 100% committed. Those are the very words he used. And so the, the fact that he, he's been playing with a side, he's been having a side there who some of most, well, lots of them are unfortunately injured um, and the others are not committed to the cause. Well, is it a surprise that it's all fallen apart? I just find Koulibaly's um, sudden looking, looking out of his depth really worrying because he's, you know, he's a Rudiger um, replacement. So perhaps he needs a bit of time to bed in further than we thought. I thought he was going to hit the ground running after the Spurs game where he was fabulous. Um, Thiago was great again. Thiago did some wonderful stuff again. Some those those I, I find the whole process of these taking um, the set pieces is just absolutely bizarre. Their inability to take a decent set piece when you've got an example of um, Ward Prowse just takes absolutely brilliantly accurate corners every time. Surely Mount can do that. Surely he's good enough to be able just to pick a player out. Luckily, Silver Silver was doing Mondi's job on the line at the very beginning, wasn't he? He was heading the ball away all the time. So uh, I don't know what the what the coach is doing for that. The, the, the response was fantastic. You had two Ward Prowse corners and then Mount at the corner and just hit this enormous sort of sky high. It was like an, a, a, an Eddie wearing up and under. It was just a, like an enormous kind of sort of thing in the air, which was so easily headed out. Um, uh, Kovacic is coming back from injury. Uh, he must play him. But at the same time, you know, would would Kovacic and Gallagher be a better a better fit? I, I'm, I, I don't know how I, it, how you tweak the system for that. I don't know in, in the 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, but um, uh, Chile came on, looked all right. He's still not back to the back to the best he was. Cucurella, similarly, is obviously a very decent player, but still finding his, his feet. Um, uh, Sterling scored a very good goal. Um, I love the way that he checked before he took the shot in order to hit it in. And um, at the moment, for, for want of anything else, I would play those three. But, you know, he, he gave Zayek a go, but he surely can't play Zayek again after that shit show. I mean, Jesus, God, he didn't, he just didn't try. And then Pulisic came on and just stood about. I mean, to be fair, he was playing right wing back. He just stood about, didn't he? It's this thing of when, when your player comes on as a sub, and just stands there when somebody's got the ball and doesn't go and close them down. You think, what's going on here? And what was this going off at the end of the game without thanking the uh, the fans? That was just ridiculous. What the fuck? Is that because he's making a gesture? I don't want to be with the club anymore. What was that all about? Um, but so I, I, I presume that means that neither Pulisic nor Zayek make it into the team and he carries on playing. Sterling might have us. I think Sterling is slightly shell-shocked by what he's come into. But I think once Aubameyang plays, I think we'll see them both blossoming, actually. I think they'll be a very good combination. Because uh, um, he's a, And it'll be interesting to see what pattern he uses, whether Havertz steps out, Havertz comes back, whether Mount plays slightly different midfield. I don't know. It'll be very interesting. But I would, I personally would give Kepper a go. Um, it's not going to happen. And he'll play Chalabar instead of Fofana. He'll play James there. He'll play... I, I'd like to see Gallagher and... I think you're right, he'll play Kovacic and Gigio. It'll be Cucurella um, and possibly um, Chile coming on later. And it'll play the three as you've you've put it there, Gigi. Yeah. Mark, what say you? Um, as we always know, it's always difficult to predict a Tommy Tuchel side. 
And I've got one eye on our first Champions League game next week against our Graham. So I think Tommy might tinker tomorrow. Mm. I, I think he might, yeah. Um, I'd put down for Fana to play because I thought he would play. If he's not fit, um, Chalabar is the obvious one slot in there. But I had Fafana, Silva, Koulibaly. I had Kovacic or Mount or Gallagher in midfield. And I'll come to why Mount or Gallagher in a minute. I had Reese. I had Chilwell, that left wing back, because he'll rest Kukurela to play him in the um, Champions League game against Zagreb. And why I've got Mount or Gallagher is... Mount can play in midfield. You know, he, he, can, he can play that role. He's very good at it. And do you push Gallagher further forward to play behind the, the forward line, which obviously would be Sterling and Havertz? Um, because Declan Rice will probably play that holding role in midfield. And part of me thinks, well, could Gallagher keep Declan Rice busy, shall we say, by playing a much further forward role? As long as he doesn't me, foul him. As long as he doesn't foul him in the first couple of minutes of the game. Yeah. So, I, I think Mount can do that role as well. He can play behind the front too and keep his mate Declan busy. Or have Mount in midfield instead of Gallagher, push Gallagher further forward. So I think that is Gallagher's strength, playing much further forward than what you might call that traditional Frank Lampard role. I'd like to see Brozier have been given a chance because I thought his cameo role against Southampton the other night was very good. And I think he does fit a Tuchel-type player. Uh, there's something about him that physicality as well and he's a big lad but I don't see Tuchel dropping habits and that's the only obvious choice the only other one and I don't think it will happen is if he went 3-4-3 and you had habits Sterling and Brozier up front but I can't see him playing um, without wingbacks because interestingly um, I watched the post coverage against Southampton and Joe Cole's summary was excellent um, and he had the tactic board and I, what Joe Cole was saying is if you're playing Jorginho he can only play in a wing-back system. Yeah, he, he, yeah that is the only way because you get protection from the, the both wing-backs. So uh, if you just had like a normal forward midfield, Joe Cole would face saying, Jorginho's not your man. So if, if we went, say, you know, forward midfield, yeah, then you could do, you know, someone other than Jorginho potentially. But uh, I'm working on the basis that Kovacic is fit. The Kovacic will play. <clears throat> I'll bench Jorginho and I'll have either Mount or Gallagher in the midfield beside him. But Mark, you, you, I mean, there, there are two excellent points there, which is, I mean, the other thing that we should, shouldn't should ignore, of course, is that, and, and, you know, Tuchel's made a big, big noise about this, is that we we really miss Kante. I mean, he is so integral to how Tuchel wants to play and how Chelsea play that he has a huge miss when he's gone because you you, there is nobody like him. But the other thing, which is what we've been saying for a long, long time, it's really uh, pleasing to hear Joe Cole, who, I'm, you know, Joe Cole knows more about tactics and football than I'll ever know. And he says exactly what, what Jonathan said earlier, which is, you know, you cannot play four at the back with Jorginho in the side. So if you've got Jorginho in the side, you have to play wing-backs to cover his arse. And if you play with wing-backs, that means you really stifle not who are you going to play in midfield? You know, you've, in other words, it's Jorginho plus one of Kovacic, Cheek, Mount, Gallagher. I mean, it's it, it's nuts, isn't it? Because, you know, take Jorginho out of the equation and you've got options to change the system completely, which actually might suit everybody. And I was saying this on Monday, wasn't I, Jonathan? 
you know, that, you know, having Jorginho in that side screws up. I mean, we were talking about everybody playing out of position, weren't we? But it screws up everybody else because they end up having to play out of position. It's, it's fucking infuriating, JK. I, 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 you know, it really is. It would be interesting, wouldn't it, if um, he didn't play anymore? the season if he got injured or oh, something that, i wouldn't wish that even on With me. A, no 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 I, I i i'm not wishing it on him i'm just trying in terms of patterns if you didn't have him playing or tuchel decided that that wasn't going to work i mean i i just don't quite get why tuchel picks him when he's vulnerable i well, don't he uh, picks him because he he, he what he does well he does very 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 well which is to keep possession in the pool ball dictate the tempo of the game. I mean, yes, he is yes. one of the best in the world no, at he, that. He, I agree. He does all those things. But um, if the opposition dispossesses him or he and puts so much pressure on him, he gives the ball away. Um, he, he's not a he, he's, he's a liability. Yeah. But to, but to be fair to Georgino, he fits into the Tuchel system in the same way that Billy Gilmer didn't fit into the Tuchel system. And I think, again, with one eye on the Champions League game, if you're playing a, a, an away leg in the Champions League, probably Jorginho would be the first one on the team sheet because you want to keep possession. But we're at home to West Ham on Saturday. Part of me thinks, rest Kukurea, rest Jorginho, gives us a chance to do something different in the midfield and maybe have Kovacic Gallagher or Kovacic Mount or Kovacic Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Any of those combinations work for me. Yeah. Well, but they'll kick him. West Ham will kick him. But Jorginho plays. They'll be right on top of him all yeah, the way exactly. Through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Kovacic will kick him back. Yeah. yeah, Kovacic would. I mean, we'll see, won't we? But I, I do think, you know, the the problem that we have, you know, as I said, is we've got a lot of a lot of midfielders that could play that might make a difference, but they can't because we play this system with Jorginho. And I think it also stifles the attack. I mean, you know, you'd have a very different, you know, like if you played four diamond, diamond two, you know, it would be a very different... You know, you could have you could have Gallagher and Mount either side. You know, yeah. exactly. I mean, there, there's so many other options, but not if you if you have Jorginho because you have to play three at the back. You have to play with wing backs, otherwise you get ripped a new one, which is what Southampton. The well, number of times that Rudiger protected him last year. Yeah, he did. So you, you then you then actually you you appreciated his ability to uh, switch play, keep possession and play some terrific passes, Jorginho. You you then, and he would, he'd occasionally get the ball back and he'd scrag somebody. But being protected by Rudiger, you didn't actually see any horrendous mistake was cleared up all the time because of his pace, because Rudiger's pace. Well, back. it was a bit like when, when, when we had Alonso playing as a, as a wing back. I mean, that yeah. would, that, that would expose Jorginho as well as we often oh, see. Alonso. Oh, Alonso. Are we having a minute? Are we having okay. a minute silence? Minute silence for Alonso. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Make it 10 seconds anyway. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry to see him go. He's, I thought he was great for us. John, I thought Jonathan expressed it beautifully in the fan bite. Um, okay. West Ham. Um, you're right. Liam's right too. They've been in patchy form, but I thought they played pretty well against Spurs. Actually. I, I caught a bit of that match and, uh, I thought they were they were looking good. They've got some good players as well as the good new signings. They've got Bowen and Rice and Suchek and Antonio are still there. I think they're all good. They signed Corne from Burnley. I like the look of him. And this Paqueta is interesting. He's a, he's a regular for Brazil, I think. So he's quite a player. And they played him against Spurs. Um, so yeah, they're not to be um, they're not to be sniffed at at sniffed all. Sniffed at. 
But sure, and of course, we all know that when West Ham turn up at Stamford Bridge, they turn into 1970 Brazil, and they they smell smell blood, and they play much better than they normally do. So there's all that to think about. But surely, surely, to God, we can't be as bad as we were at Southampton and Leeds again, Mark. I mean, surely. I mean, well, I say surely, but can we toughen up in time and get the mentality right? Because I tell you what, against West Ham, we're going to need to. I, I think we can. Uh, and Paolo Di Canio is not playing for West Ham either, so that's a plus point. Or Chicharito. <laughs> or Chicharito. So they always used to be bo- bogeymen to us. Um, I thought Southampton was worse than Leeds in some ways. So I, I, don't, I don't think we could play any worse than we did against Southampton. But also, we are at home. It is a London derby. It is West Ham. And from what, what I'd like to think about this squad, certainly in front of their own fans, um, and I think last Saturday was a really good example, and the crowd for the first two home games has actually been fantastic, really got behind the team. You'll get that tomorrow. I think they'll respond to that, and I, I'm, I'm very, very confident that we should turn it around tomorrow. It might be a close game, but I'm confident we should be able to beat West Ham at home, providing we keep all 11 players on the pitch. Yeah. I mean, JK, you know, Tuchel made a big play of this, you know, uh, once the window's shut, everybody will know where they are. You know, they'll know that they're, you know, they'll know that they're in the team, they're in the squad and they've got a place to fight for. So do, do you think, do you think that that might, might begin to make a difference? Um, it depends on the character of the players we're talking about, you know. Well, let's let's uh-huh. talk about Pulisic and Ziyech. You know, Indeed. they can't they can't go now. They have no. to be there. Will yeah. they get their head right? The way they've been playing, I mean, he was one of the better players towards the end of the season, Ziyech, wasn't he? With uh, and his ability to to take pot shots and score some decent goals, sort of kept us in some matches where we hadn't played very well, and yet we won. Um, I hope that he appreciates that uh, he's not going to be a regular, except it may be that he's going to push for a move in January, uh, in which case we won't get much cooperation. Because I really think he was on his way. I think he thought he was on his way. And I think that's what that performance was all about, the bright, the, um, uh, the the performance during the week, the Saints. Whereas Pulisic is clearly uh, just fed up with playing out of position. And I think he's been, to be fair to his mental state, I think he's been used as a bit of a... Of a um, uh, past the parcel, actually, I think, because he's been uh, been talked about as as tr- he must get first team football. It will do better for for him. And yet the club won't get him go because he he sells shirts in America. He's the American representative. So uh, I I really think he needs to try and get his act together because two years ago he was great, and he hasn't been anywhere near that. And we're now all right. He's been playing out of position. You keep putting him in as a wing back, but. When he does come in, he just his choices, his passing choices have just are are, are frightful. He's he's a shadow of the player he was that we saw. What we predicted was was on, had a possibility of being a, a hazard replacement. He's not achieved that at all since. I mean, I would have been happy if both of them had gone, but they had to have replacements, and there weren't any replacements, and the deals weren't worked out. So obviously, that's why they're still there. But it doesn't mean that they'll knuckle down. I think he's being very optimistic if he thinks they'll knuckle down. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, Mark, come in. I've got a point to make about that, but go on, Mark. I was going to make the point about the World Cup because both of them are going to the World Cup. Morocco have qualified, haven't they? I think they have, yeah. And hasn't he fallen just... out with them? Well, well, uh, 
the World Cup hasn't yet been picked. Morocco, I'm pretty sure Morocco are going. I know some people in America are blaming Tuchel for spoiling the Americans' World Cup chances, but both those players are here. They're going to be here now till January. And in the same way the World Cup, for some clubs, has destabilised them because players want first-team matches because they want to go to the World Cup. That's why some players might have moved in the transfer window around you know, European world football. Ziyech and Pulisic want to play in the World Cup. They want to play in the World Cup. So whatever chance they get, they need to take it. Because the thing about Tuchel as well is, yeah, if you're playing well, you're training well, you've got a chance of being in the team. You know, we've, we've said this many times in this show, we don't watch what's going on in training. But clearly, he will pick players if they're in form, but also doing all the right things on the training ground. Now, if you're going to sulk and basically say, oh, woe is me, pity me, poor me, um, it's all Tommy Tuchel's fault that I'm not going to go at the World Cup and play because I haven't got first-team football. Well, you've got three or four months, well, well three months um, just under, to actually get yourself in the first team because we haven't got much wits. Well, Mark, you Mark, at, Mark yeah, the point yeah. I was going to make yeah, and the yeah. problem that Pulisic yeah. and Ziyech are going to have yeah. is that they're, they're, they, I mean, even the club's website says it. I mean, I've written down on my squad how yeah. the club pretty much defines these players. Pulisic, yeah. the wingers that we have are Pulisic, Sterling and Ziyech. We are a yeah, side no. that yeah. does not, and I said this last year, yeah. Yeah. we do not play with wingers. We do not play with wingers. Pulisic is a proper winger. Ziyech is a proper winger. Sterling can operate all over the place up the front. He's adaptable. I'm not sure these two are. And actually, in a funny old sense, it makes me think we may have sold... We, we, we've got rid of two of our wingers, ostensibly. We got rid of Hudson-Odoi and we've got rid of uh, Werner. There's a case to be made saying maybe we got rid of the wrong two. Because mm. these two are the least yeah. adaptable. Hudson Odoi can adapt, and so can uh, Werner. I mean, okay, you know he can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, but you know he he had his uses. He's, he's not he wasn't a, as much of a dud for us as we'd like to well, say. Well, he must be playing a lot of cows in Germany because he's hitting a few arses. He certainly lately. is. He certainly yeah, yeah. is. But you know, I mean, we we the bottom line is we don't we had. I mean, I moaned about it last season. As I said, we had four wingers, and we don't play with wingers. Why, how did that happen? Well, it happened because Tommy Tuchel plays three four three. Our wingers are James and Cucurella. You know whether we play four four two or four or, or three four three. So I don't think Pulisic and Ziyech are a going to get much time at all anyway. But they're certainly not going to get it in their preferred position because he doesn't play with wingers. Well, they will, if that happens, they will stink the place out then because they will both want to be in the World Cup. Yeah. So. Watch this space, people. Watch this space. Now, um, this show would not be complete without me giving you some really uh, horrendous stats which will now make you have a nightmare. And they are... West Ham have won just two of their last ten Premier League away games. They've drawn one, lost seven. David Moyes has never won at Stamford Bridge. And Thomas Tuchel has never lost back-to-back Premier League matches. So, of course, it should be a breeze tomorrow for Chelsea. We should romp home knowing that. I found something else out that was quite fun. Uh, And I know this is awful because it kind of goes against everything I stand for, that I only look at the Premier League records. But I I don't want to end up with 15 pages of uh, notes. So I just stick to the Premier League records. But for Chelsea at home to West Ham, there have been 26 matches. And Chelsea have won 16, drawn five and lost five. And we have actually only lost one 
since 2002. So that's 16 games. We lost 1-0 to them in 2019. And I do believe that was Chikorito who scored. And I was sitting next to Tony Glover and we both predicted that that would happen when he came on with five minutes to go. But nevertheless, our record against West Ham is mightily impressive. And it has been certainly in recent history. So, you know, we should be going into this match with an air of confidence. But I have to be really honest, boys, JK, I'm not. I'm never confident against the Hammers, ever. Because as uh, you said earlier, I think they uh, they get aroused by playing us. They uh, they raise their game. I think last year they beat us 3-2, didn't they? And they thought they were going to be escalating up the league and then immediately lost. Mind you, it's the same with Leeds. Leeds are exactly that. They immediately haven't played anywhere near as well as they played against us. We're, 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 uh, we're red rags to... Uh, to their bulls, lots of these teams. And that's because of our reputation as free spenders and goes all the way back to the 60s. We're all too uh, too show busy. We're all too uh, we're all too too clever by heart. It's all these all showbiz us. fans we have, mate. Yeah, that's what it is. All the thousands of Although showbiz. West Ham, I think, give us a run for their money. Yeah, but they're all likely to be East End boys, aren't they? All the all the uh, entertainers. Russell entertainers. Brand. Roy, Dyer, Roy Winston, yeah, they're all a bit, Roy all a bit like that. They're all geezers, aren't they? They're a geezers kind of supporter. We're not geezer supporters. No. What we're are all we, a bit, what we're we? all a bit loveyish. Jeremy Clarkson, we're all a bit, uh, you know, we're a bit, oh yeah, all right, what are you going to have? You can fuck off. No, we're all a bit like posh. That, you know? Yeah, posh, posh entertainers. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it, it's always, you know, who knows? Who knows what happens with the hammers? Who knows? It's, it's um, uh, as long as they, they're what will be happening. I'm afraid is that um, uh, Mandy will be uh, under the cosh because of the error he made last year with uh, with um, Bowen. So uh, they'll be pressing him. There'll be a lot of pressing going on, and um, uh, we'll just have to deal with it. They'll be very aggressive. Everything that he's prophesied in the in the uh, the presser will, will actually take place. They'll be they'll be on top of us. They'll try and put us off our stride, and um, we've just got to deal with it. You know, I think I think I don't think Kovacic has been quite. Well, you know, because he's back from injury. I think uh, another week and he'll be another, the fact that the, the game is on Tuesday, I think he'll be on more on top of his game. And I think he's uh, he's very good at dishing it out. He's very good at standing standing tall in these situations. And I'd be interested to see um, whether Sterling scores again, because I think Sterling could be on a run, actually. I think Sterling is a uh, is potentially excellent for us. I think he's a terrific signing. Um, but uh, let's just hope that we can... To get something out of Havertz, who's just looking very, he's industrious, but um, doesn't seem to be able to get into a position to have a shot. I'm not sure he's had many shots at all, has he, Havertz? He's just been, he's been good at running into space, but that's been about it. Um, but it'll be very different also from the Southampton game, just because Rhys James is playing. You, you have to remember Rhys James is, is fabulous. There is nothing, fabulous. nothing in the world. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There isn't. There is nothing like this, James. Nothing in the world. But there There is nothing you can name that is anything like Rhys James. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, you know, it showed against Southampton. I mean, how incredible, Mark, that, you know, a mere couple of years into his Chelsea career, he's arguably the most important person on the team sheet. We missed him. We really missed him the other night. And as much as I love Dave and like Marco and I, before the Sutton game the other night, we were in the pub, we were talking about it. We, we love Dave to bits, but you can't ever, 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 ever 
play him in that position again, even though we are weak in that position, you know, post-transfer window. Um, we can't, we have to wrap him in cotton wool, Bruce James, because he's just now the first player you put on the team sheet. He was the best player against Leicester. And clearly, you know, he's an important part of part of the game, the game tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm okay about tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably optimistic about tomorrow. As I said, it's a London derby. It's West Ham at home, and um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for the same score as when I first saw Chelsea West Ham, uh, which James from Chelsea looked back kindly posted on the good old internet this morning. And like the first time I went to Chelsea West Ham was in 1977. At Christmas, I think it was Boxing Day actually, and Chelsea won two-one. So I'm going to go for a two-one victory against the Happy Hammers tomorrow. Who scored? And super, it, super job? Oh no, I think it was. If I remember right, I think it's Bill Garner and Bill, Tommy Langley. Bill Garner yeah. and Tommy Langley. Yeah. Wow. Excellent stuff. So two-one for you, Mark. J.K. Two-one. Hmm. I, I I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. I mean, half, half of me thinks that Chelsea might absolutely hump them because I'm not there and it'd be just the kind of evil thing that they would do just to mess with my head. But I don't know. I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be tight. I, I have no idea. You know, if we turn up, we're capable of winning it. So I'm going to say we'll sneak it 2-1. But I'm, I'm, I'm not massively confident about this. I something... One goal will be scored by Emerson. Oh, fuck yeah. He's playing against us, isn't he? Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, he got booked immediately as he came on, uh, funnily enough, though, in the game against Spurs. That did amuse me. He had a bit of a Barney with uh, Richarlison, funnily enough. But, two, two, two players, he would like a Barney, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, I, like you. So, we're all going 2-1, which is interesting for slightly different reasons that we're going for the 2-1, but 2-1 we're going for. Let's hope it pans out like that. Now, before we toddle off uh, for our Friday night, um, uh, it's time to update you with the Prem Predictions League for week uh four i believe it is uh well 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 it's all hotting up um this is a bit of a naughty week it was all the midweek matches that caught a few of us by surprise not least me and i forgot to phone kerry up so i only did half of kerry's results which uh, i had to fess up to him today he was very magnanimous about it uh what i can tell you is this is that uh the players uh chris sutton is doing appallingly, I'm delighted to say. He's sitting in 84th place out of 96 with a paltry 283. He got 33 points this week. Uh, Kerry, largely thanks to me, is languishing in 53, uh, 53rd position. Uh, Canners, who also thanks to me, had a storming week. I got him 185 points, would you believe, including a bonus. Has he still not done his own scores no, He has tonight. I have made contact with Canners. He has sent me his scores in for this week. Uh, but I, you know, and I, but I did them for him last week, and I got him 185 points, mate, including a bonus. Can you believe it? Uh, <laughs> anyway, 43 points. Uh, sorry, 43rd position is Canners, uh, but leading the players is Pat Nevin. We Pat, who was who has basically abandoned his strategy of just doing two one for every match. He actually predicted five nil for City, so he got almost almost a spot on for that. But he's doing all right. He got uh, he's got uh, 537 points, and he's in 15th place. As for us lot, um, I shall do it. I'll do it top down because uh, I will. Uh, now, this is alarming for anybody who plays this game with us. A certain Mark Worrell is climbing up the table like a shark. He's now in 11th <laughs> position. 11th position. He was nowhere last week. Now he's in 11th. Uh, so there you go. 
Um, some, certain Chidge has bounced back after his shocking despite like Chelsea. He's up and down like a yo-yo. I had a good week. 195 points for me this week. A few spot-ons, including, I'm delighted to say, Liverpool versus Newcastle. Um, the only time I've ever cheered a Liverpool goal when that went in on the last kick of the match. But anyway, I'm in 17th. Dane is in 20th. Dean Mears is in 22nd. Martin Wickham, surprisingly, I would say, is in 28th equal. Dan Silver, a newbie at the game this year, is in 36th equal. Three in 36. Uh, Then we go all the way down. JK has slipped down to uh, 80th. Having, you know, you were were on on page one, weren't you, last week, JK? I was. I was. God, that's a fall, isn't it? Bloody hell. No, I almost got some right, though. I almost got, I was, you know... Just seconds off, you know. Yeah, I know. It's a bitch when that happens. I've had weeks like that. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm disappointed and sad to see J.K. falling so low again. I've been so high last week. Um, and then we have uh, Tony Glover in 83rd, who's having a bit of a shocking season. Well, he didn't do badly this week. He got 118 points. And Mark Meehan. Mark, what's happening? You're in 85th. Well, I I had a good midweek. If you look at my score midweek, you did. You got 100, uh, I, 125. It's a decent score. Yeah. Yeah, and if it wasn't for that referee not knowing the time in the Liverpool Newcastle game, I'd have been much further up the table. Yeah, because yeah, I, I had the I same went, problem. Went, same yeah. problem, Mark. Yeah, I had it went, down went, as a draw. Went for draw in that game, but I'm on Chris yeah. Sutton's tail. Yeah, yeah. So that that's good. I've, I've got Chris Sutton in my sights. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's probably not a bad place to be. You know, well, getting I'm, ready to kick Chris Sutton up the arse. Well, I'm yeah. delighted. Well, I mean, Chris Sutton is in a Mark is in a Mark Meehan and Tony Glover sandwich, so he needs to watch yes. out. Yes, exactly. So he could get hit by both sides. Me, me, me and the Reverend Glover, yeah, <laughs> we'll hit him from left and from right. Yeah. Well, indeed. Um, it would be remiss of me not to tell you who the performer of the week was, and that was the uh, lovely Daniel Gold, who got a whopping 240 points, which has propelled him up to ninth. And a uh, change in the leader, I think. I think Tim McConnell was leading last time we did this. Tom Robson is now our leader. He's number one spot with 611 points. So well done to you, Tom. Great Did you see, Chidge, which former player was doing well in the former players' league? Broader than that. Frank McAvenny. Frank McAvenny, yeah. Now. Not all, not all wine, women and song after all, well, Frank. Well, yeah. absolutely yeah. right. And uh, yeah. what I didn't know until I had a conversation with Kerry not so long ago was what good mates him and Frank McAvenny are. Oh, wow. And uh, not for public consumption, but he's told me yeah. some absolutely hilarious stories about <laughs> him and Frank out on the piss, basically. So, uh, I can yeah. imagine, yeah. And so, Frank, Frank, I, I kind of secretly quite like Frank McAvenny back in the day. And the, the stories that Kerry told me about him have made me warm to him even more. But, yeah, he's leading the, the pros league. That's absolutely for sure. Good player. Very good player. He was, wasn't he? He was, wasn't yeah. he? So, there you go. Um, Good luck with everybody this week. I've not done mine yet. I've done Kerry's and I've done... Uh, Canners is. Uh, I need to go and do mine in a minute because uh, I'm out all day tomorrow. I won't even be able to see the fucking match. Can you believe it? And of course, they were going to have it on TV. It's no longer on TV, so I'll not see the full 90 minutes. So uh, my contribution to Monday's show will be rather shit as a result. Uh, so I shall re- be relying heavily on JK. Uh, and on that point, uh, we will be back on Sunday for the main Chelsea Fancast show with JK. Uh, I think it's Dan. Dan, no, it's not Dan. It's Alex on Monday. Alex Churchill on Monday at 7 o'clock and we will obviously be looking back at the match against uh, West Ham and looking ahead to the match against Dinamo or Dinamo Zagreb on Tuesday which should be a bit you know should be fun so there you go Uh, Mark always lovely to see you been a while 
Uh, yeah, good to see you too. Uh, I just want to finish on a really sad note tonight. Mm, uh, obviously, I've been working, yeah, work, work, working today, uh, and obviously, just literally before I came on air tonight. So, you know, social media is a good way of keeping you in the loop on certain things. So, I literally was capping, catching up on all the Chelsea news over the last sort of twenty-four hours, um, and just absolutely shocked to sort of see like Terry O'Callaghan from the Baltic Blues and the West Midlands Chelsea Supporters Club has passed away. And why even more so? I know we sort of like were joking about it a few weeks ago when I posted the videos and we talked about it on 50 Years of Chelsea from the ITV digital shows. Terry was in our team. uh, And the real tragic thing um, was um, one of the guys got in touch with you and listened to the show. So I was arranging, because I haven't got the sort of leads myself, I was arranging to get a copy of the video transferred to DVD so I could send on sort of like a Terry to watch. And this feels really, really sad now that I didn't get the opportunity to do it. I'll still do it and hopefully pass it on to his family. But a lovely, lovely guy. Really great, great Chelsea fan. You know, did a lot for the Chelsea West Midlands Sports Club. Regular fan, home and away in Europe. Just really, really, literally about 15 minutes before I came on, just found out that news. Really sad news. Yeah, I, I spotted that this morning because DJ put a post up about it, and I, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't really know Terry very well, but you're right. I mean, you know, I remember there were we've had uh, emails in, uh, possibly from Terry actually, but certainly from people from the Westminster group. So yeah, really sad news. A real proper Chelsea bloke, and uh, did an awful lot for the club and the supporters. So uh, rest in peace, Terry, and uh, you know, condolences to his family and all of his friends up in the West Midlands, of course. So there we go. A little bit of sad news to end the show on. Uh, But, Mark, good to see you, as always. Uh, And, JK, good to see you, too, on a Friday. Thank you. Lovely to be on the show, as always. Mm, It is, indeed. Uh, You two are both going to the match tomorrow, so enjoy it. uh, Right. Taking my daughter. uh, And, hopefully, I'll be having a pint with a certain rock musician from an art. From an Irish band called Therapy. I know. I mean, that's that's. Yeah. I'm so pissed off that it moved because yeah. that it, it screwed a meeting with Kerry that we were going to have, yeah. and I can't go and, and meet Andy and have a drink with him. Do say sorry to him for me, and uh, we'll I will. I will get another yeah. another time when he's at a game out of him, so yeah. we can do it again. Um, and did you get Kelvin a ticket, by the way? Oh, that's that reminds me. Yeah, I'll, I'll message Kelvin to see if he's got a ticket. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, do that. Yeah. I mean, annoyingly, he could have had mine, but there's no way of me getting it up there, you know, so never mind. Anyway, you two enjoy the game. Uh, you lot out there enjoy the game, whether you're at the at the, at the the stadium or watching it elsewhere. And uh, thank you for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the
It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. <laughs> Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.